What's up, everybody? Just want to tell you how you can come support the show. You can meet us over on Rockfin, rockfin.com forward slash truezilla. You can create a free account. Please watch our episodes over there. Don't watch them on YouTube. I mean, come on. What are we, we doing We get here? crypto? Even yeah, we just... get crypto just for you watching it. You know? So that's a great way to support the show. If you want to create a, a, a membership account, you can watch the premium episodes there and the premium episodes from all the other content like, creators. Like, like Charlie Robinson? Like Charlie Robinson. Woo! Dude, all the people from the Union of the Unwanted over there for the most part and, and some really awesome ones that I'm even exploring. Um, also sign up on Patreon.com, Patreon.com forward slash Truezilla. We're going to be dropping some premium content on there as well. Um, Aren't and, there other awesome shirts? Don't yeah, we have our own. Yeah, so Truezilla has some pretty amazing shirts. Like we're like they're pretty awesome, dude. Like like some of our friends in the business have some amazing shirts too. But I'd say ours are right up there. Yeah. Truezilla.org forward slash shirts. Go get yourself a hoodie. You got kid shirts. Um, and then we've got some new designs coming. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, enjoy the show. Welcome to Truezilla. I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed. This week we are speaking with Alex Craner, former hedge fund manager based in Monaco. He is the author of several books, including the heavily censored The Killing of William Browder, which has been banned and republished under the name Grand Deception. You can find his articles at thenakedhedgy.com. A fierce advocate of truth. You've heard him on the Ripple Effect podcast and the Union of the Unwanted. Alex, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so Thank much you for you being so here. Yeah. Yeah, and greetings, greetings to your uh, to your followers and your listeners. Awesome. Thank yeah, you and so much. They're they're gonna be they're gonna love this one because we've been we've man we're trying to look at this whole thing from different angles. You know, we've looked at the esoteric side. We've looked at the, um, you know, we, we've had a couple of people to talk about the financials, um, you know, doctors, nurses from a legal perspective. And we're just trying to get to the bottom of this thing. We're trying to get to the bottom of like, why? Why has this rolled out the way it has? What are the implications? You know, what does this future look like? And, um, you know, when we met you on the Union of the Unwanted, you know, uh, you had some really powerful things to say. And it seemed like you were really tuned in to you know, what, what it seems to be going on. And, and, you know, most of the people we talk to are here in the United States. So I don't know if we have like, kind of a, like a bubble around us, you know, and it's hard for us to look big picture because we're always here bogged down arguing like Biden, Trump, Biden, Trump. And it's like, ah, oh, that's such a hard little paradigm to get loose from, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, one of the things that, uh, I heard you mention is that, uh, just going all the way back, like there was some, there was some financial, Stuff going on in the financial world that maybe not a whole lot of people know about. Maybe in like 2019, I heard stuff about like the repo crisis, right? Um, things yeah. like this, like something, like there was a collapse imminent that they needed to create some sort of crisis situation. Is, is that kind of what your take is on it? Yeah, uh, correct. So if, you're, if your listeners are not familiar with, uh, with the repo market, it's called repurchase. Repo is a for repurchase agreement. So basically what happens is that Every day at the end of the day, when the banks close their, their books, they have to have uh, adequate reserves with the federal uh, with the Federal Reserve Bank. And if they are uh, if they are short, if they come short, then uh, banks uh, routinely borrow money from each other uh, in these very short term um, repurchase agreements. So basically. Uh, let's say we close the books. Uh, I have some extra cash. You're a bit, you're a bit short. So you say like, Hey, Alex, can you, uh, uh, can you lend me a million bucks? Uh, like, a, like, a, like a note, a bond, whatever. And I repurchase it from you tomorrow or in a week or in 10 days or in three months, whatever. And so you lend me a million, I'll, I'll pay you back 1 million 50,000. And we do that no problem. So that's easy fifty thousand for me. Uh, squares your book helps you square your books, and so this uh, this thing was going on uh, as a as as a routine thing uh, for a long time. And then uh, in September of uh, two thousand nineteen, the repo market broke, and we all noticed that uh, that well we noticed it was uh, it was headline news that the interest rates on the on these uh, repo uh, repurchase agreements. Uh, suddenly spiked to like 10%. They used to be like 1-2%. And so then the Fed had to step in and the Fed had to provide the liquidity for uh, the banks that couldn't 
raise money in the repo market. So what that basically tells you is that so if if I if you ask me to lend you a million bucks and I have them and I know that you know tomorrow in or in three days I'm going to get a million and fifty thousand from you, that's easy money for, uh, for me. And the only reason why I would decline to lend you that money is because I think you may be bust. Mm. So I, I think that I'm not going to get paid back. So I say, you know what? Um, I'll lend you a million bucks, but you have to pay me back uh, 1.1 million or mm. even more, right? And so that 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 was a sure sign that one or more banks in the system were basically insolvent. Okay. Well, at that point to avoid the banking crisis, the Fed simply stepped in and they started providing a massive amount of liquidity mm. to the banks into the repo market uh, to make sure that we don't have another lemon uh, moment. And then this, uh, this repo crisis just kept metastasizing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think it started at something like a um, hundred billion dollars a week of which maybe of that was used uh, the rest was just put there to be available but it wasn't used and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and i think that right now we are at about five trillion oh wow god, god. You know? god. and i don't know that all of it is being used you know like they're they're finding other facilities other ways of um, making sure that the banking system stays solvent but um the what was i think what was extremely well you know like then the covid crisis happened and everything changed because you know um we went i, th I think there's been like a banking coup mm. you know like a, a coup in the banking industry uh and basically okay just to just to go back a few years just to rewind a little bit so in the hedge fund industry, most people, including me, expected that any day one of the big banks is going to uh, collapse. Mm. And I think that the main candidates were um, Deutsche Bank, Societe Generale, and maybe uh, HSBC. And so Deutsche Bank has been on the death watch since at least 2016, maybe even 2015. So this has been expected as an imminent event. You know, everybody was expecting, oh yeah, any day now, you know, it's gonna it's gonna crash because these banks really are insolvent. And then nothing happened. And then the COVID crisis happened. You know, the the the, the, the lockdowns and the economic crash. And still no bank collapsed. And then I realized, you know, like I, I grew up in social in the, in the socialist uh, Yugoslavia, mm -hmm. and basically for as long as I can remember, we had stagflation. You know, we had high inflation and and really poor economic growth. So basically, you have a recession environment, but you have consumer price inflation. And basically, I recall that well, you know, like things were crappy, but. We never had a banking crisis. We never had a banking crisis. There was no bank runs. Mm -hmm. I said, like, how strange. So basically, I know what happened back then. I just didn't put it together with what we're living today. And basically what happened is that you had zombie companies in the socialist world. The, the, the government and the central bank just basically provided all the liquidity needed to cover the bad debts. So the, you know, the, the companies that couldn't pay back their debts to the banks, which would basically collapse the bank. All of that was just being covered by printing more money, just the printing presses, monetizing the debt and carrying that forward. And the, basically what happened is that you had, uh, gradually accelerating inflation. So what happens essentially is that instead of the vested interest, the people who rule over us, instead of them taking a hit by their banking system collapsing, by their uh, corporations imploding, 
they basically um, rip off everybody else in the system through inflation. So basically you and I are going to be able to buy less and less and less stuff with the same amount of dollars or euros, but their systems will be kept alive by just giving them money. So, you know, basically you have a, you have the socialism for the banks and the and the large corporations. That's what you have. So that's been the coup, you know, that mm. we are no longer in a, in a competitive, call it free market environment. We are essentially in a, in a socialist communist uh, economic model. But of course, they're not telling you this. Mm -hmm. They're not telling us any of this. They're just doing it behind the, the behind the stage while you know the media are still talking as if things are going to get get back to normal as if you know but basically uh, this this coup has happened and that's the reality in which we're living and i think that the um, ultimately the effect of that is going to be uh, inflation and the uh, currency collapse absolutely so so i just have a question just uh, listening to all this you know it almost and forgive my simplistic view of this, but, uh, you know, just this almost seems like the playbook to me. I mean, you, I look back to 2008 and it's, I mean, let's just blow up the bubble and then we'll just pay ourselves out. Yeah. Right. That's, that just seems to be like a, a recurring thing is, and maybe, maybe you see it differently, but, um, but is, is this kind of the, the same thing we're seeing right now? Like here, here's the bubble in the, this repo market and we're blowing it up so it's just pay everybody out and uh, i mean now we have you know the cares act and the you know there's just multi multiple stimuluses happening over here and i'm not sure what's happening around the world with this but it just seems like we just we're just going to pay everybody out to to kind of silence them but we'll but all the big companies are just cashing in on this they're i mean all all of our mm -hmm. amazons and walmarts and you know all all those guys are just they're just raking it in so um they throw us a bone here, but realistically, they get to burst the bubble and pay themselves. Mm -hmm. And and here's this inflation we get. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think that this this is going to probably end up being worse than 2008, 2009. Oh, yeah. you know, uh, it's going to play out differently because uh, this time, uh, I think with the Dodd-Frank uh, legislation, the Fed can just intervene as they see fit rather than having to go to Congress and then, you know, Hank Paulson uh, begging for money on his knees in front of Nancy Pelosi. They're just doing it now. Yeah. So they are they are in charge. The the dog and pony show in the in uh, in in the House of Representatives and in the Senate is there for, you know, like as Frank Zappa said, you know, like it's the it's the it's the entertainment division of the military industrial complex, yeah. but you know the, actually the banking and and military industrial complex. Yeah. So you know these are these are such drastic radical interventions into the uh, into the economic and financial systems that you had to create a different. Well, you know, you had to create a different kind of emergency to be able to carry this out. So, you know, how lucky for them that this virus came out, this deadly, mm. scary, terrible virus that, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess the four of us here are the lucky 99.8%. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I've been, and, and like we go to every single possible mass gathering we could possibly go to yeah. with no masks and hug all kinds of people. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but. but but you don't. What you don't know is that there's a new variant of this virus that like oh. actually you can get it. It kills you, and you don't know that you're dead. That's the. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm using that later today. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a good meme. Like maybe we're all dead right now. Who knows? Who knows? I died from the new strain last week. Man. Because this virus is so devious that, you know, like you die, but you don't even know it. Oh, that's For hilarious. Sure. God, wow. That's the best thing I've Well, you ought to get a test to see if you're dead, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's well, man. And so, you know, we've known, you know, if you, if you look into this stuff, you know, people that have been looking into this stuff for years, you know, whether it's the military or whether it's the, uh, you know, the military industrial complex and like false flag terrorism and warfare and just all that stuff it all ties back to these financial institutions like we all we all know that those they've been behind everything but they've done a really good job of kind of concealing their involvement in this the whole time and in fact portraying themselves as the good guys like look at us we're bailing everybody out like like these financial institutions have been able to 
avoid scrutiny, I would say. Like, you, you don't really hear about it very much. Like, in any sort of, like, alternative media, well, definitely not the mainstream media, but alternative media, other than, like, you and and I know the guys at, like, uh, like Advisor. yeah, Liberty Advisor, like Tim Bichaud and John Snyson, Snyson, you know, like, like there's people talking about it, but it's, like, it's not really getting any traction. Um, and it's interesting, too. Another parallel that I was just thinking of is just, like, you know, in, in response to this, they've gone back and they've changed the way we've done things for so long, like in the medical field, like we were talking briefly to Dr. Scott Jensen, and he was explaining how here in the United States, they've changed how they write uh, death certificates, you know, in order to make it so that, you know, the the COVID, like the cause, the correlation and the causation are no longer, you know, it's not like he died of COVID. If you died of a heart attack, and then you had COVID, like somehow that you know, anyway, they, they changed the way that they wrote the death certificates. And it seems like even in the financial world, they've changed fundamentally how it, it works, you know, like, like just the fact that they don't, am I wrong? Am I right about this? Like they don't have to keep reserves anymore. So this repo crisis that created, uh, this, this situation, like, like I was hearing somebody saying that they don't, I think it was March of 2020 when they just removed the reserve requirements for, for banks altogether. They used to have okay. to have 10%, right? And then they just removed it altogether. Is that still going on? I'm not sure. I would, that's a question for yeah. you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I, would ask. I don't know. Um, there's a, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes that they don't really tell us. Um, they don't really tell us. You have to kind of, uh, read their minutes of FOMC meeting, which, 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 which I don't do, but you know, like some people do. And then I read their articles and then you find out that like, you know, everybody's thought forever that uh, the last time around the bailouts, you know, the bailouts in the in 2008, 2009 ended up being uh, like $9 trillion. But then, you know, like you have to kind of dig to find out that there was a, uh, what's it called? The Office of Accounting. Uh, there's a there's a Congressional Budget Office, or uh, now it now it escapes me. Yeah, Office of Management and Budget, maybe I, like I forget. That. But anyway, you know, like yeah. they they came out and they said, like, no, actually, the bailouts were uh, sixteen trillion dollars, not nine, sixteen trillion. But then you know. Uh, I read another analysis on the website called uh, Wall Street on Parade, and they're they're very good at uh, analyzing what's going on with the Fed and the Wall Street banks. And they cited an analysis that uh, tallies it up to twenty nine trillion dollars. I mean, these are staggering amounts of money, and you know, like it's it's not like it's real money in the sense that it comes out of your pocket, but it's it's money that they just create to cover their losses, but that ultimately ends up costing the whole society. It's, it's, it, you know, like it, it, it diminishes the wealth of the whole system, of the whole economy, everybody involved. And so I'm pretty sure that what we know about what's going on today is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Uh, and they and the and the things are so radical that they have to uh, they're very serious about having to control the political process as well because otherwise they would not be able to do it and then their system would implode and then we would have to come up with a with a completely new one instead and so that at, at that juncture you know when everything is upturned there's a risk that they lose control. And so they would rather put us all in concentration camps than lose control over the system that they have. Sure. So, you know, they have all these all these really, really ambitious objectives about controlling society, about controlling dissent, about, you know, um, making sure everybody has their vaccination certificate. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, basically it's, basically it's going the way of uh, the Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, that makes life barely worth living, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, when you, if you, I don't know, you know, like if you read the, if you, if you read the Gulag Archipelago, then you realize how horrendous this could actually be. Yeah. And then even if you think like, yeah, you know, like whatever, I think maybe it's easier for me to comply, to pretend to go along and uh, maybe just be left in peace but you don't really have that option because if you have if you have children or if you plan to have children or if you have grandchildren 
that that's the choice you're making on their behalf because they're going to inherit the mess you leave them. So uh, we don't have the option. We have to we have to push back. We have to decline to cooperate with this. And so yeah, that's where we are. And I think that it's a, it's an amazing time because they, you know like the we've been all kind of raised on stories about you know like the the Jedi's and the Empire and. Uh, the Lord of the Rings and uh, all these Harry Potter, all these epic clashes between good and evil, and that is upon us now. Yeah. <laughs> we are the resistance for sure. We're living now. It's powerful. Yeah. What a time! I, I think you know what you said about having children too. I know me and Megan have children. I mean, I think that that drives me more than anything in wanting yeah. to fight against this thing because I do not want to give the world that they're pushing right now to my children. Yeah. I, I feel like no, a, a complete no, conviction no. to do everything in my power to fight against it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you know, it's one of the things you're talking about there too, though. Um, just like relating to this, the Soviet Union and stuff. One of the things we've looked into is the ten stages of genocide. And I'll have Scott talk a little bit more about it. We made a, a little documentary but if you look at where we're at with what's going on right now like we're we're on the verge of a, of a of mass genocide i mean if you look at it you know what i mean like like we can look at this from all types of different angles and we, we've tried to be very objective about all sorts of things and uh it was brought to my to my attention this whole concept so anyway there's a uh, organization called genocide watch and it's a uh, dr gregory stanton he um has this proposal that there's a there's 10 stages of genocide that occurs before every single um, you know, event, you know, whether it's the Holocaust or Rwanda or Bosnia or, um, you know, Armenia, the Armenian genocide, like whatever it is, you know, it always follows a very distinct pattern. And it's always about like, you know, dehumanizing the target group. You know, it's always about um, polarizing the community. So just dividing, divide and conquer, um, creating like laws and institutions that, that, that diminish the rights of the targeted group. And it just goes on and on from there. And it's, it's just That's literally, apartheid. yeah, like apartheid, like, you know, one different rules for different classes of people. Um, and we're literally at this stage where we're like, so we're at like, like it's argued, arguable that we're at like seven, stage seven or eight as a world in the world, you know? Wow. And uh, the ninth stage is the actual extermination and the 10th stage is the denial of the genocide, you know? And so this is something that, and, and it's just insane to think that, and if you bring this up to somebody that that's just has no idea, like they think we're crazy, but it's like, but that's how scary it is. You know, that's yeah. how scary it is. And, and, and like you said, you know, they would much rather put us in concentration camps, or I would even argue they would much rather just exterminate the majority of us to keep their power. You don't think for a second that they wouldn't do that? Are you kidding me? Right. The, the, the number one cause of unnatural death for the last hundred years has been governments killing their own people. You know, that's, that's just what's going on. And, and I think in, in Western countries, I think it's just unheard of, but you know, here in the United States, I can tell you, it's so divided and polarized. And, and you can tell these people that are, that have been lumped into this category of, you know, people who are questioning the narrative, who don't wear the mask, who are against the vaccine have been lumped into this category with all these other people that are white supremacists and domestic terrorists. You don't even have to be white here in this country. Yeah, QAnon, yeah. You don't have to be a white person in this country to be a white supremacist. You know, that's how crazy it's gotten. Like, like, and, and so they're trying to label and, and it's to the point now where literally if they rolled through our country, our cities in vans, started rounding us up or just shooting us right in the street and saying, oh, he was a QAnon uh, domestic terrorist. There would be people that would be celebrating it in yeah. the streets right now. Like, yeah. it's so insane. Yeah. And and I, I, I don't know. So it's just a weird thing to think about. But uh, it's and I hope we're wrong. I hope we're dead wrong about all this stuff, you know. But it's like if you start looking into this stuff, it's like, I mean, you know, Alex, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to deny the, 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 the evil that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Um, man. And I would ask, you know, how we again, you know, we do have a, a kind of an isolated view of the world being here in America. How is it? How is it over in Monaco? How is it around the world? Um, is is it as divided? Um, I I think it is divided, but you know, it's it's kind of hard for me to say because. Uh, the circle of people that I'm close with, um, I don't, I don't think anybody really buys this story. <laughs> I think it's so, it's so patently false. It's so patently incoherent yes. that nobody buys it. 
Now, it's true that many people can't really bring themselves to believe that, some, that there's something profoundly sinister about the whole agenda. And so they think like, oh yeah, you know, well, you know, there was a pandemic, well, there was a virus, now the measures, they're, they're not right, you know, but maybe, you know, like maybe they overreacted because they wanted to be extra careful and, you know, like, um, you know, some, some people still are, they're, they're attached to the idea that they can trust the government mm-hmm. and the idea that they're not being lied to because you know like to to come to terms with the fact that you've been lied to all your life yeah. and that some of the biggest um some of the biggest blocks of our you know like of the foundation on on which we've been building our lives turn out to be um complete lies it's very scared and then you don't even know what comes after all those lies collapse so you remain kind of attached to those lies because they they connect you to the world that you're familiar with yes yes and then you know one of the big lies that they've been feeding us for generations now is that we are essentially bad you know that we are we need the, the authorities to keep us in check because otherwise we'd all fall to each other's throat and kill each other over, you know, anything to maximize our own individual uh, advantages and benefits. And so, you know, this this overarching authority has made itself indispensable and now people think like, oh, oh you know, like, 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 if it's not like that, then, you know, like it'll be chaos, it'll be anarchy. Um, but I think that we are yet to discover who we are mm. because you know, like I, I, I give people, I tell people this metaphorically. I said, like, imagine if you were, if you were a chicken and you were born in a, in the, in the chicken coop, you've never been out. Not, not only do you not know what it's like outside, you don't even know yourself who you are when you're outside of your cage. And so, you know, people, um, many people are, you know, anxious about that. I tend to be optimistic, you know, I, I think that we are essentially good. And I think that we are capable of building a good, beautiful life. If we are uh, allowed to do it, you know, in a, in a kind of bottom-up fashion where, you know, people simply make decisions about things that concern them in their immediate environment, I think even even intergroup in, in individual conflicts, people tend to resolve them in a reasonable way rather than you know, resorting to violence and a knee-jerk reaction. And so I think I think that we have the opportunity of building up a much, much better world. But uh, it'll take, I think it'll take a, 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 a cultural tectonic change mm-hmm. for that to really take hold and for people to kind of muster the courage to say like, okay, this, this world before that's finished, that's collapsing. And, uh, we have to build, we have to build a different model of, 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 of coexistence. No, but wouldn't you yeah. say, uh, that they're trying to control the messaging around that? I mean, that's this, that's the great reset, right? Yeah. Like, that's what I was just going to say is that like, that's <laughs> like, like we as a society, as a people need to wake up and step up and, and create these, yeah, these sure. realities for ourselves, whether it's just in our own community, but no, no, no. I think these, the bad guys see that there needs to be a great big change too. And they've decided to take the reins themselves, right? The great reset. Um, so, you know, here we are, you know, I think it was Davos the end of January. They started rolling this out, announcing it very publicly. Um, but people still, like you said, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that for me, when someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And I'm like, well, you know, probably not going to do that. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, have you heard of the Great Reset? No. And I'm like, well, look into that. You know, that's that's a good little entry point into, uh, you know, inter- like awakening people, you know. But another thing that fascinates me, too, is like here in the United States, we have like, you know, CNN, MSNBC, like these mainstream media outlets. Fox News even, you know what I mean? And I know several people who are just, they sit in front of that TV all day long. I just moved out of a house where the roommate would just literally 
sit in front and watch CNN from, he'd wake up about 1130. He'd sit there and watch CNN from about 11, from about noon until about four in the morning. And then he'd go to bed. And while he was in bed, like he'd sleep and he'd have the, the little phone laying next to him and like playing news broadcasts as he slept. Like it was insane, dude. And so, and, and then I asked him and, and I asked him, have you heard of the great reset? He's like, no, I had no idea about the great reset. I'm like, ah, oh, see, they don't, they're not telling you. So, uh, <laughs> it's just so crazy. So it's a great thing to look into, but, um, what's your take or, or what, have, where is this headed as far as the great reset goes? Well, I think that, you know, the elites, the, well, the elites, I, I don't even like to call them elites anymore. I like to call them the parasite class. Yep. Uh, they have decided, as you said, to take, to take reins into their own hands. Uh, but as I see it, their mission is impossibly ambitious. It's impossibly ambitious. Mm. It's like the, the story of the uh, Icarus, you know? Uh, basically, um, the more I look into what they have set themselves to accomplish, the more it looks like a demented fantasy. Like, uh, well, with with an overabundant use of force, they might be able to create some caricature of this of this future. But you know the. If you, if you look in history, you know, great revolutions, you need, you need a charismatic leader. You know, you need somebody like, like Lenin, like, uh, you know, Pol Pot, uh, Mao, whoever, you know, you need somebody who is, who can impose themselves as a, as a charismatic leader that has credibility with a large segment of the population. Then you need like a, very inspirational, unifying ideology, which in the past, you know, they had with Marxism and, and so forth. Or in the case in Germany, you know, you had Hitler with mm -hmm. his, uh, his uh, Nazi uh, ideology. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you do need like, uh, like an enforcement army, whatever, police, uh, army, national guards, whatever. And even then, it's very, very hard to 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 make it stick. So, uh, for example, when the when the Soviet Union, when the when when there was a Bolshevik uh, coup in Russia, uh, the Bolsheviks only were able to control uh, Moscow and Leningrad, uh, Saint Petersburg, right? And uh, they were unable to secure the rest of the country. So, the the Western there was a, there was a heavy Western intervention, so there were American, British, Japanese, uh, Czechoslovakian, huge amount of troops from abroad were sent to help the Bolsheviks secure the country, to secure the whole Trans-Siberian railway, and and um, it 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 took it took a while for that to take hold, in spite of the fact that they had Trotsky. Lenin had Marxism as the unifying religion. They were able to control people uh, with this story about, like, you know, how the how the Tsarist regime was decadent and exploiting them. Uh, it was barely two generations before that that the Serbs had been liberated. So they, they, you know, they, they, they did come from a background of oppression. So they did have something to gain with the revolution. Fast forward one hundred years. Your charismatic leaders are who? I don't. I don't even know who that is. Is it Klaus Schwab? Is it Bill Gates? No. Everybody hates them. I mean, like <laughs> these people. These people are not, you know, inspirational leaders. There is no ideology. I mean, the whole, it, you know, the whole ideological edifice of this is is is, is a deceit. Yeah. The whole thing, and everybody sees through it. You know, like people are not sure which part is true and which part is lie, but everybody understands the that. The, the thing is rotten, full of holes like Swiss cheese. And then where are the troops going to come from? You know, like in Soviet Union, you know, you knew that Western Europe, Britain, United States, you know, they were controlled by the banking cabal. And so, you know, they they sent the troops over to the Soviet Union. Where are the troops going to come from? So they, I, I don't see how they could possibly control that. And then they're fantasizing about 
these very advanced high technologies and you know like i always people get very worried when you know like when they read articles and and see people talking about ai you know artificial intelligence mm-hmm. how it's going to control everything and so forth and i i just would like for people to understand that uh, please relax about ai it's not what they it's not what they um want you to believe it in and i spent over 20 years uh, working on AI applications, right? I was very deeply immersed in creating an AI program. And what I can tell you about that is that it's a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. it's, uh, extremely uh, maintenance uh, heavy, and it's very fragile. So, you know, uh, to create any kind of a quality system to control some process, there's a lot of hard, hard work that requires dedicated maintenance that is fragile and that ultimately uh, fails if it isn't maintained properly. And you know, like you come, it, you really come to a point where you have people working on this. They have to be motivated. They have to believe in the process they are creating. That's all very hard to do. And you know, like if, if an engineer, let's let, imagine that there's a software engineer working on these applications and maybe he needs his job, he needs to pay his mortgage and send his kids to school, but nobody can really make him do his best. And it's enough for him to not document the program properly. And that's enough that when the next engineer comes into his, into his place and he opens the code, he's going to have no idea what he's looking at. And so, you know, we've already seen examples where, you know, like uh, Google wanted to help the Pentagon create AI applications for, um, you know, for, for, for these, uh, these uh, Reaper drones, right? Mm. Because the, the drone pilots were, were burning out very, very quickly because they couldn't stand killing people they didn't know. Mm-hmm. So then Google was going to come in and create AI applications to do that in their stead. And then Google engineers practically rebelled and said, like, we're not working on this. Oh, wow. So there is a, you know, like there is the element of human conscience and intent, which basically cuts the legs from under many of these things that they try to scare you with. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it's going to be in the Terminator movie. It's not going to be like the Terminator movie. And if you just like uh, think about how your Windows uh, 10 operating system functions, imagine building something on top of that thing. How often is that going to crash? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that gives me hope. You know, that yeah, gives me hope. Like to think of it in those terms, like like what they're trying to roll out is so preposterous and unrealistic. Like, yeah, you would need all this infrastructure that just doesn't, like who would sign on to this? But I think that goes back to the other tentacle of this whole agenda is just all of the the social engineering and all the cultural Marxism and the cancel culture. And the, if you step out of line, you're racist. And if you, uh, you know, all, all those things, all those elements, you know, that that's to, to, to indoctrinate the next generation to maybe take up, or that's their intention, right? To, to indoctrinate them to the point where they'd be willing to take those positions, right? Because they're fighting against, you know, all these evildoers, like all these anti-maskers. Yeah, I was going to go <laughs> to the same thing that the kind of devil's advocate argument to this thing is that, um, you know, it is the, the cancel culture, I mean, do they need an army when, when they've created their own army of people? I mean, just this last week, we've canceled, uh, what was it, Pepe Le Pew, um, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss, uh, Peter Pan, Dumbo. <laughs> they like, Peter Pan? Like, pull them off Disney Plus. Because, like, I mean, it's just, but it's just, it's just consistent, you know, but it's just, I mean, you know, we're... A year ago, if you would have said, they're going to roll out this vaccine. I mean, we all said this, right? They're yeah. going to roll out this vaccine and, and they're going to try to make it mandatory or, or they're going to have the corporations like roll it out as mandatory, which and if is, not, seems they'll, a little more likely. And if not, they'll put but, you in a camp. If you don't but it, it. I mean, people are screaming for this to be done right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. Here, people in America are telling you, we need this mandatory. We need to get everybody on board. And they want them to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we are honestly we are the resistance on this. We're we're the yeah. small resistance. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're more we're more than we 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 think we are. I think we're the majority. We're the vast majority. But we've all been canceled and shut down and and censored. And they've and, taken our power. They've taken our legs, and we're not sure how 
individually to rise up against it, even when we have all the knowledge or even in small groups. But I think you made an excellent point with it being, you know, the human consciousness getting in the way. And I think that that, I mean, that the agenda is so diabolical and evil on the other side, it must be logically met with true humanity, with true organic humanity and with people Mm. who are grounded in truth and have, you know, ties to spirituality and understand that this is not to be stood for. So, I mean, you wording it that way was is very hopeful, and, it, and it's very true. And, and you know, there's, there's another thing that uh, it's... It, basically, when, you, when, 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 they come, when they come with their pronouncement, with their measures, with the, with, the, with, the, with the rhetoric and the propaganda, so, of course, they're making it look like resistance is futile. Mm. You know, like... They're, they're trying to bamboozle everybody in being so scared that like the only option is to go along with it. But if you pay very close attention to, to their, you know, like to, to, these, to these presentations and interviews, you know, like if you look at the key people in the World Economic Forum, you can tell that they're very nervous. And, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed the guy, they have their always the, uh, Yuval Harari, the, this Israeli uh, sociologist, who mm, kind of he's the he's part of the, this uh, you know creating this ideological construct around the Great Reset, and then uh, he has this one speech where he's basically convincing people not to make the mistake of liking themselves too much, you know? And it's absolutely astonishing to watch the whole, um, his, his whole case, because he goes back to how fascism came about, right, in Germany. And then he gives some completely nonsensical story about how fascism arises, but basically it comes down to like, the way Hitler convinced the German is by presenting themselves with a fascist mirror. I'm, I'm not kidding. Hmm. And, and this is the guy they have speaking at World Economic Forum. And so he said, like, and then when people looked into the fascist mirror, they really liked what they see, you know, because they were attached to the nation and look at me, I'm very smart, I'm very, you know, like, all these things. Like, being German meant something terribly important, blah, blah, blah. And so then he makes this whole preposterous case to come down to the point of saying, well, if somebody presents to you a mirror and you see something that you really like and is really appealing to you, you should smash that mirror. Hmm. I, I'm not shitting you. I can't even repeat it word for word the way, the way uh, he puts it. But the, 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 you know, my point is, they are very afraid of us awake, uh, awakening. Mm-hmm. They're very afraid of us coming to terms with our own nature and, you know, like finding out that we are not these rats, as this guy, the same guy calls the rest of humanity rats. That we're not that, that we are like sacred beings yes. Yes. who belong yes. here, right? Yes. We don't need to be kept in a chicken coop. Right. Yes. This is. This, all this is our birthright. Yes. And that the, the, they are so nervous that they have to make these really contorted intellectual um, contrivances to tell you, hey, you know, like, if somebody appeals to you and you, you know, like, you like what you hear about yourself and you think you like yourself, will smash that mirror right away. That's terrible because you're shit, you know, trust them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also, you know, um, people have started to figure out the uh, current, the currency system, you know, which has been, which has been like, uh, this, this dark magic that nobody really understood because the, the universities bent over backwards for us not to understand how the currency system was. And then, you know, like you look at the speeches of, uh, of, uh, 
the Karstens guy, the guy who is the, the, the head of the Bank of International Settlements, they're practically begging people not to invent their own currencies. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're like, stop, stop creating these new currencies. You know, like that's that's our job. We'll we'll take care of it. You just like, you know. And then you know, like you look at these articles that are coming out with Forbes and New York Times that say like, don't do any critical thinking. Don't do any yeah. research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're, you know, like they are really trying hard to keep us convinced that we need to just uh, depend on our shepherds and not think about it. And if our shepherds tell us that we're bad, that we deserve to be punished and that we, we have to be, you know, uh, muzzled and uh, and kept in, in, in house arrest and that we should just obey that. And then look at all the, you know, like the symbolism, you know, the mask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, with, the, with the Black Lives Matter, it was kneeling. So, you know, like you, you get on your knees and you put a mask over your face and so forth. So there's like a lot of these subtle, you know, to use their microaggressions that are that are that are used to kind of like um, corrode our own sense of worth. Right. You know, that tells me that they are very afraid of us, you know, and that they're very nervous, and that they're plastering us with all this bullshit to to make sure we don't awaken tells me that they're very 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 nervous yeah and that's absolutely part of the agenda too all the way back to like club of rome you know they're talking about like the end like we need to create this in, in relation to the climate crisis right they're talking about how um well the climate situation right like about how <laughs> about how it's uh you know we need to create a new situation and and by with with pol with pollution global warming you know then we make the enemy of humanity humanity itself and so now with this agenda it takes it another step further just very you know driving into our heads you know you little dirty little humans you're just dirty and you're gross and you pollute and you just you gotta stay six feet away and it's just like diminishing our inherent value you know like you were talking about it's so crazy um so, Alex, I would just ask, you know, you kind of touched there uh, for a second there. What, what do you think of like the, the, the growing cryptocurrency world, you know, Bitcoin and alternative? And all this alternative. Yeah. Um, I think we absolutely need alternative currencies, but I don't know about crypto because, um, you know, I. OK, so the, as a. As a, as a subject of speculation that's done phenomenally well in the last few years, right? Uh, last 10 years, Bitcoin has made something like it's compounded at over 200% a year. It's made more than 6 million percent in gain. You know, people get very excited about this because, you know, everybody, everybody wants to make a million bucks in their pajamas. You know, yeah. it's normal, but you know, as a, as a solution to society's needs, as a, as a mechanism of, uh, of uh, exchange, as, as a means of uh, exchange. I don't know if they are, uh, I don't know what, what futures crypto has because, you know, it has, it has its own vulnerabilities. It has its own uh, problems that need to be ironed out. The technology itself is, a, is, is phenomenal. Um, whether any given cryptocurrency is going to emerge as, as like a real solution, I, I don't know. Maybe it's Bitcoin, maybe it's not Bitcoin, maybe it's some other one. Um, but I think that, you know, like uh, <clears throat> in the past, you know, uh, Europe in the Middle Ages, the United States before 18, 1863, when there was this... Uh, some banking act passed uh, in the in the United States. Uh, there used to be always dual currency systems. So there was one like sovereign currency for the whole country, and then in the United States, every state had its own currency, mm. and every bank could issue, you know, like its own currency. And that system worked extremely well. And then in Europe, you know, there was always the, the sovereign's currency and there was, you know, regional and local currencies with which people transacted, you know, so the, the king collected taxes in his own currencies, but people transacted in other currencies because there wasn't enough of the sovereign currency to make the, the economy run. Sure. 
today, I mean, there are many, many local regional currencies. Uh, many people are setting up uh, time banks, which is a, which is also a wonderful solution. Mm -hmm. There's cryptocurrencies. Mm, you know, there's there there are solutions, but you know, <clears throat> we have to work out more fundamental problems. You know, because if you if you speak to 99% of economists today, the the unspoken but assumed objective of economic policy is to achieve economic growth and full employment. Basically, pretty much that's it. You know, then you know maybe improving standards of living and so, and so forth. But uh, we never question that. You know, like, do we want full employment? Is that important? Uh, do we want unending economic growth? What does that mean? Even you know, like if you so there's this one hedge fund guy called Jeremy Grantham. He's kind of a well-known name in the, in the in the hedge fund world. And so he made this 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 case of like, okay, so suppose that at the time of Egyptian pharaohs, like I don't know, I don't know when when he put the time. And he said like, suppose that at that time, all of the earth's all of the humanity's possession fit in like. Um, uh, one one meter cube box. So one meter is three feet more or less. So a box of that size, like three by three by three, right? Three feet by three. And he said, now suppose that 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 wealth grows by five percent per year. And then he said, how much wealth would that represent? by the time Jesus was born. And I think that the time frame he uses was about 3,000 years. And then the calculation is that it would be something like the volume corresponding to 27 galaxies. Wow. All right, something preposterously huge. <laughs> and um, the point being is like, you, you can't have economic growth compounding forever and then the the <laughs> that was jesse hey jesse okay so hey jesse what's up <laughs> hello uh, scott ed and megan yeah hello from the united Hi. states nice to meet you buddy hey go okay and so you know the point the point is that Growth for the sake of growth doesn't make any sense at all. And employment for the sake of unemployment doesn't make any sense at all. And, uh, you know, we had um, the late, the late um, Graeber guy, what's his name? You know, he, he wrote, he wrote bullshit jobs. Uh, I forget his first name, Graeber. Um, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Dang yeah, it. he wrote uh, Debt the first 5,000 years. And he wrote a very, very famous good book called Bullshit Jobs. Hmm. And he basically um, makes a very compelling case that something close to 35 to 40% of all jobs today in the, um, in the market-oriented capitalist uh, countries just serve no purpose whatsoever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that people who work in those jobs believe that there's no point to their jobs <laughs> there's a lot of busy work and so you know we have to answer the question what is it that we want to achieve from economic policy do we want growth do we want full employment do we want prosperity do we want uh, uh, safe uh, wealthy communities do we want uh, you know these are very very important questions that we don't address because it's assumed that everybody agrees that it should be just growth, 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 employment, 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 and that's it. But there's a lot more to choose from, you know, mm. there's a lot more to choose from. And I think that to make the correct choices, then we have to ask ourselves, well, what, what is it that we're about? What do we want? Who are we? You know, and so I think all these questions are coming to a head. We're going to have to address them. And we can't allow the, you know, these parasite class to address them for us because they obviously have already made up their minds that most of us here are useless 
eaters mm-hmm. that we should vacate the real estate and that they should arrange the world with whoever they deem worthy of uh, staying there. Wow. That's powerful. Um, so Alex, I have one more question. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any more questions, but I got, I got one more here. So we've been, uh, hedging our bets a lot in terms of like preparing for some sort of inevitable collapse, you know, whether, whatever that looks like. And I was wondering on your opinion and what you have seen, is this going to be, and I feel like we're, we're starting to see this slow, gradual decline, right? And you, you said earlier about how it's going to be worse than 2008, right? Is this going to be just a slow, like frog in the boiling water type of scenario? And then we're all just going to eventually crash out. Or are we going to all wake up one day and then the ground's just going to have fallen out from under us? Like what's the collapse going to look? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big question. That that would be dollar fall. That's what I'm saying. How far can they keep giving printing trillions of dollars and giving it out to people with, you know, is it, until it doesn't exist anymore. Is it, is it especially specifically, yes, the dollar. Like, is it going to be just like a, a slow, gradual thing, or is it going to hit like an inflection point and the whole thing is just going to be game over? Is it going to be like a turn on a dime, like one day collapse, or is it going to be just slow misery? <laughs> okay, so I would I would tell you I believe it's going to be a slow unwinding, mm-hmm. except for one thing that I think is a real danger. And this real, you know, it's, it's related to what we've been talking about, that this whole, this whole agenda around the pandemic is kind of uh, losing its steam. People are fatigued. People are not buying it. And so in order for them to push the whole reset agenda for, for forward, they need stronger medicine, you know? And I think that the stronger medicine is war. And as I, you know, like I'm kind of paying attention to this because this is kind of like one of my one of my main um, concerns is that they're trying very hard to orchestrate a, a major war with either mm. Russia or China or both. They, you know, like they've, they've, they've essentially announced it, and so if they manage to do that, then you might see. Uh, sudden sharp collapse over uh, a shorter period of time but i think that i'm still kind of optimistic because you know when you look at the the the, the, the genesis of world war one and world war two you see that you know like the the agenda was run by british intelligence and the british diplomacy pre- predominantly and you see that the foreign leader that they were kind of lobbying into this war were not prepared they were not they didn't see through the game they, they were not terribly sophisticated uh, governments of uh, france and russia and serbia and so forth were heavily infiltrated and uh, i think that today the main players in the world are very fully well aware of what the agenda is so I'm not sure that they're going to take the bait. And I think that they're actually actively working on uh, countering their uh, scheming to orchestrate a war. And one of the things that I, I don't really know how this happened. I don't know how the, how the messaging flows through the plumbing behind, behind the scenes. But one of the things that absolutely astounded me was that Russia was the first they came out with a vaccine for mm. coronavirus. And you know, like as I as I kind of pay attention to, you know, Russian government's policy, uh, I see that they're very sophisticated. They're very, very sophisticated. They have very good advisors. They have uh, very, very effective intelligence in most Western um, countries. Uh, they're paying close attention to what's going on. And that's why, you know, in many, many of these schemes, they're several steps ahead of the game. So one thing that I was very surprised to see was that Russia completely went along with this Corona pandemic, even though, for example, Belarus didn't. They said like, this is all nonsense. So it was, it was obvious that it was nonsense. But Russians went along with it anyway. So I was, in a way, I was disappointed. I thought, like, what, what is this all about? And then they came up with a vaccine, which means that they understood that there was 
the, the agenda was, oh, we come back, come out with a vaccine. We vaccinate 7 billion people in the world. And so the Russians come out, oh, yeah, we have a vaccine as well. You know what, you know, like, are you going to do vaccine <laughs> certificates and passports? Well, what's it going to say? Is it going to say Pfizer? Is it going to say Moderna? Is it going to say Sputnik? So I, it, it complicates the agenda for these the, the World Economic Forum people. Yeah. And so in that sense, I'm optimistic, but also to come back on the to come back on the on the decline. I think, you know, I, I as I, as I look at the American people, I think that they have been uh, they have been awakening. They have wisened up. They did not give up uh, the Second Amendment. Yes. Uh, I think they understood that they need to go back to, um, you know, uh, recultivating their skills and growing yes. food. So, you know, like, I think that when things get tight in the sense that maybe uh, your Walmart closes, and, you know, like, there's a lot of areas in the United States that are food deserts. If Walmart closes, yeah. everything that's around it is golf courses and 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 you know, there's no, there's no way to produce food, but I see that people are organizing. And then in a very quick, you know, maybe a season or two, the food production takes off and people will figure out a way to exchange because, you know, like the dollar is just a means of exchange. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And even if the dollar disappears, the stuff to exchange is there, you know, like people grow food, the baker can make bread, the, you know, like the farmer can make wheat. It's just a question of, if I make, if I get wheat from the farmer and I make bread, what am I going to exchange it for? You know, sure. and people figure it out. So there's already cryptocurrencies. I think Americans have been, many, many Americans have been buying silver and gold coins yes. because they're, they, they know, they know this stuff, stuff is coming. Yeah. And then, you know, people are going to organize regional currencies that they did in Germany in 1921, 22, when the, when the German Reichs, uh, German mark had hyperinflation. People very quickly organized regional and, and local um, currencies, so it's it's going to be okay, you know. It, it's it's just it. Not everybody's going to come through. Yeah. Right. But I, I I wouldn't be terribly pessimistic, and I think that when we come out on the other side, it's going to be a better world. A better yeah. world. That's it. Absolutely. Right there. Yeah. For we always say we're. We're building our own better. Right? That's what we're doing, right? We are yep. part of freedom cells, and we're, uh, you know, we're learning the skills you're talking about. So, yep. You know. And and another thing, just forgive me that I, I interrupt, but this is something because you know, like I've I've thought a lot about prepping, and it doesn't you know, like people people are buying these dehydrated foods and, and ammunition and gun. to prep properly, you need to organize communities of at least hundred to hundred and fifty households. You know, because you can't do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. So you need you need somebody in the community that knows how to fix cars. You need somebody who knows how to fix teeth. You need somebody who knows how to butcher an animal. You need somebody to how to fix shoes and so forth. So the prepping should be thought of as a community effort rather than, you know, people yep. building a barricade and, a, and an underground shelter with lots of dry food, you know. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, so we've been involved with the, and our listeners get to hear about this almost every episode, but that's all right. It's good to give updates, but um, Freedom Cells, the Freedom Cells movement, freedomcells.org. I don't know if you've heard of that. I know it's a worldwide movement, but um, basically you just go there and see if there's a little cell of people in your area. And if, if there isn't one, oh, I would suggest cool. starting one. And then there wasn't one in our area. We went up to like one of the major cities in our state up in Portland, Oregon, because we're a couple hours south of Portland. Here, um, we went up there and, and started joining, and we went to some of their meetups and got to know all them, and then we came back down here and started our own, and now we've got, like, this vibrant community of people who are coming together, and we meet every other week, and we've been, like, doing, like, farm tours and learning how to, I don't know, it's been it's been a really awesome experience, and right now we're just kind of just building, like, what you described, just community and fellowship, uh, and so, that sounds, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Have, you, have you guys looked into, have you guys looked into time banks? Uh, time bank. So that's just like, you know, I'll do some work for you. You do some work for me type of thing. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know up in Portland, they yeah. have a, they have like that in place already. You know, we're, we're still just trying yeah. to get our stuff going, but I, I yeah, that's, that's a great suggestion. That's, a, for that's, sure. a, that's apparently a very good community builder because you know, like people get to know each other better. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. And I think that there's people who have uh, created like uh, open source software for that. So it's, uh, it's like dead easy to like create a, 
create a like a database okay to, and to run the thing so another 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 used to useful thing to consider absolutely yeah. awesome alex well man thank you so much um can you want to oh, let our, you, you let our, yeah you want to let our listeners know where they can find you or read more of your work Ah, uh, so yeah, I, I I write a blog at thenakedhedgy.com. dot com. Um, I have I have also a professional website, but that's like uh, you know for for traders and investors. So it's called i system trend following i system dash dot com, where I also write. And then uh, my book about. Um, about the Russian sanction and Magnitsky Act and all that, which kind of is relevant to all of yeah, these things sure. that we're talking about, because it's a, it's a, I've I've tried to unmask the network that's trying to orchestrate this war between Russia and the West. That's on Red Pill Press called yes. Grand Deception. So that's a. Hi, that's about it for now. And, uh, awesome. Oh man, Alex, you're a wealth of knowledge, man. Yeah, I hope people go. So much. Yeah, I hope people so go check much. out your stuff. So yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and uh, all the best to all your listeners and yes. all your followers. Yes. And uh, hey, whenever let's uh, let's do this again one time. Yes. We'll we'll check in yeah. for sure. Yeah, all right, Alex. Thank you. So Take much. care. Thank Have a good Thank night. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, everybody, that was Alex Craner. Please go and find him. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting in with us. And until next time, I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed. We wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Beep, 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 beep. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs>